Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. I'm Rachel Quedno, Program Director at Strong Towns. Today's guest has built trails in the Grand Canyon, lived atop a tower as a forest fire lookout, and served as a traveling nurse. She's also Strong Towns 2022 Neighborhood Storyteller, with weekly columns publishing every Tuesday, sharing about life in her neighborhoods and the small steps she's taking to make them a little stronger. Carla Thylan lives in Missoula, Montana, but also spends time in other parts of the state through her nursing work and visits Minnesota regularly, where she grew up and still has family. In this conversation, Carla talks about the way she finds value, connection, and things to celebrate wherever she's visiting and treats all of these places as sort of temporary homes. You're more likely to find her in a local coffee shop perusing the community bulletin boards than in a chain restaurant because she knows that the local spots are where the best stories can be found. We've been honored to feature some of those stories in Carla's weekly column on the Strong Towns website, and I'm excited for you to hear from her today about everything from crafting to the things she's learned while walking her dog to her attitude of saying yes to adventure. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Carla Thylan. Carla Thylan, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It's so good to have you on the show. Well, thank you, Rachel. It's good to be here. So you are our first ever neighborhood storyteller at Strong Towns. What led you to apply for this writing role? Um, I think it was last fall now. It's been several months. I believe it was last October. I had prior to the job opening... I had kind of made a deal with myself that I was going to move into more of a intentional role with my writing. Um, and whether that meant, you know, getting a job that involved writing or just doing more of it, it seemed like the time was right. And I kind of didn't think I had any chance at it. So that somehow makes it like a little bit less, There, there's a little less pressure when, when you don't. You don't actually feel like a contender. It was like, oh, this is just, I'll just kind of see what happens here. And I like the idea of writing from the perspective of a storyteller in the neighborhood. It's kind of where my best writing, I think, comes from is in observing the people around me. So the fit seemed appropriate. Well, we're so glad that you did uh, apply and get this role with us. Um, It's been really fun to learn about you and hear your stories over the last few months. For those who maybe haven't read your columns yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of like what you do in your life outside of this writing role? So I'm an RN. I've been working as a nurse since 2009. And that was also kind of a second career. Prior to that, I spent a lot of time working uh, for the U.S. Forest Service and the National Park Service. I spent almost 10 years in the Grand Canyon, spent a lot of time in the Bitterroot National Forest of Montana, uh, working as a fire lookout. So the nursing role was, it was a career shift um, in 2009. I think working in healthcare has really inspired a lot of my writing just because of the daily interactions and such close and personal interactions with people has really helped me see and feel the kind of the preciousness of those connections. And, you know, healthcare doesn't provide the best, it's not the best place to launch a bunch of writing from because of privacy that is 
so um, important in being a healthcare provider, but I try to find ways to tie some of these stories and anecdotes in, in a way I think that they help us see how we're all so much more alike than we are different. That seems to be a good foundation for storytelling. And um, so that the health, my healthcare career really does inform a lot of my writing, whether directly or more indirectly. Yeah, I remember in the application process, which there were like over 200 people that applied, I remember reading a writing sample that you shared that was some reflections on being a nurse during COVID. I can't remember if it was written in 2020 or earlier in 2021 about just like working in a room full of different women and their, you know, kind of experiences and where they were coming from. It was a very powerful piece among many of the things that you've written. So yeah, I, I appreciate how that background influences your writing. Where do you live? How does where you live influence um, your writing too? I know that's place is important to what you write about. Yeah, I live in Missoula, Montana. I live a lot of places, but Missoula is my home base and it has been since roughly the beginning of like 2000. 2004 or so. Um, I do come and go. I have kind of a long tether from my home working as a traveling nurse. But the community that I live in is, I think that that's a rhythm that um, a lot of people are used to here. There's a lot of kind of seasonal work and it's a university town. So it seems to be my community is very supportive of comings and goings and yet remaining sort of a I, I feel very much like I'm a, a member of the community, even though I'm not, you know, like, uh, you know, here 52 weeks out of every year. And what about the the traveling aspect of your life? I know um, you've been spending t- some time in Minnesota with family and then also as a traveling nurse. Does that take you like a lot of different places or do you kind of go one place for several months at a time? Well, um, it's kind of that's also variable. Um a lot of my nursing work does take place here in Montana. I work for an agency that um, I, I like to describe it to people in the simplest terms. It's like I'm a substitute teacher, but for like a school district that covers like half of the state and instead of schools, it's hospitals. <laughs> so I'm I'm connected with many, many healthcare facilities, probably as many as like 30 30 to 40 that, but I've kind of narrowed that down to, I've got about seven or eight real standard places that I go to come and go. <laughs> I go back to time and again. Um, so yeah, I work with an agency and they contract with these hospitals and basically they, if they need somebody to cover like maternity leave or some kind of an extended absence, or even just like a couple of weekends here and there, that's, that's kind of how I do it. I pick up like that. And then occasionally, probably since about 2018, I have been going down to Southern Arizona in the wintertime, which is naturally uh, good timing. timing. So, um, so I've traveled as far away as Arizona. I've worked in Washington state, um, out on the West coast of Washington or the Olympic peninsula at a, like at a summer camp. I've worked in Colorado at an outdoor education school, like as a, as a school nurse. So there's very rarely a plan. It just seems to be, I just remain open to opportunities. And when they arise, I, 
I just have to decide. What are some of the the small or big ways that you have been, you know, little by little trying to make your community better each day, whether that's your community in Missoula or the other communities that you've spent time in? I know that you write about some of these things in your column, but yeah, for people who haven't read all of your stories yet, um, what are some of those like small things that you do to make your community better? I would say on this, on the sort of like action level, just like actual physical actions, I try to pick up trash. I really like picking up garbage, especially like at the dog walking places <laughs> um, and wherever I go. And I, I try to treat like wherever I do travel, um, I think about that that community as being mine because it is for the time that I'm there. So things like just being mindful of like um, – when I go on walks, I like to pick up trash. Um, I also, which, you know, uh, the, but what I do like on a broader scale, <laughs> that might sound really dumb, but. Um, no, that matters. It yeah. does. And the other thing I think that um, I like to attend events, like local events. When I, when I go into a town to do, uh, to do nursing work, um, I tend to look at like community bulletin boards, like in the library or in like a grocery store. And I like to see like, if there's something posted, like, I mean, even like seriously, like a high school play or like a, just different kind of things that the community might be holding like a pie sale or, you know, I like to get a feeling for <laughs> what the town is like. Um, and I have met a lot of people that way. For instance, I used to do some travel nursing in salmon, Idaho and, um, went, pretty frequently to their farmer's market and made quite a few um, friendships that way. Another thing I do that's more indirect, but I, um, I, I like to talk to local people and tell them what I like about their town. Some of the smaller towns I go to in Montana, I think um, some of the nurses I work with have resided there since they, since they were born and it's sometimes hard to get like the broad view of where you are when it's just what you see every day. And so I really like to to tell them like what I see and what I appreciate. And it's kind of fun. Um, somebody recently told me, she's like, oh my God, like you're, you're helping me see this place like a totally different way, like your outsider's point of view. And that might be I think where I indirectly, it's just, it's just what interests me. It's not an effort that I'm making, but it's something that interests me and in, in, in sharing that with, with the residents of whatever community I happen to be. And I think that there is some kind of an indirect benefit there. seems like you're sort of in this unique position in the communities where you work. Cause you're, you, I mean, you are a visitor, but you're not just somebody who's there on a trip for fun. You're, you're, embedded in the hospital and you're meeting people who live and work there and, um, or, you know, patients in the hospital. So you're getting a unique view on, on these places. So there are some central themes and topics that come up regularly in your column that I wanted to ask you about a few of these. One of them is craft. Um, you talk about knitting and sewing and, um, even recently had a column about special pens, um, and I'm a knitter myself, so I relate to some of this. Um, I only started like three or four years ago, but what draws you to crafts and what, what do you appreciate about, 
um, knitting, sewing, handicrafts. I really do like doing things with my hands and producing. I think it started when I was very young. I mean, my mom always tells me how when I was, you know, three years old, I would just cut holes and pieces of fabric to put over the Barbie's head and then wrap a string around their waist. Like I, I always wanted to make things and by no means am I like an expert at anything, knitting, sewing, anything like that. But it's a way for me to quiet my mind. <laughs> I, I don't do well sitting and just gazing off into the, you know, distance. But, um, but for me, making something with my hands and narrowing my focus like that is, is um, really truly a way to relax and to feel, I don't know, just to enjoy that, that the act of creating something. Yeah. I appreciate that. It seems like there's curiosity that you have um, to learn these new things, which is not true for everyone. I think some people would be really intimidated by picking up like a new, new hobby or something, but I love that you're open to learning. Another topic that comes up often in your writing is your choice to visit local businesses and really like stop and spend time to get to know the people that work there or the owners. Um, tell me, tell me about that. I think, especially as if you're traveling a lot, it, I imagine it'd be very easy to just get in a routine of like, okay, I get my coffee at Starbucks or I get my lunch at Arby's or whatever, because you can find those in a lot of places, but you seem to have this intentional choice to go to the local spots. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, that's where the stories are. I mean, <laughs> there's always, um, it, it's always fun to go to a locally owned shop, especially when they're not busy. And um, I just find shop owners to be some of the best sources um, for like local information and, and just to see the comings and goings of, I guess, other members of the community. But it's just, it kind of probably goes back to like growing up in a small town and some of my earliest memories really being like, you know, particular shops that we went to and even remembering people that worked there. I mean, like in the seventies and eighties and sometimes, uh, like in a community, a, a locally owned shop is sort of the, it can be kind of an unofficial gathering place too, for local people. And even just being a fly on the wall, observing and listening in on conversations. And I like to see what, what they have to offer. I think some people, they feel like, okay, well, oh, I know this, like you said, like, oh, Starbucks. Okay. I, I know what this project will be like, so I can get it in any town. And, and it's like sort of a safe and secure thing, but I kind of would rather take a risk and go, I don't know, this might be the worst coffee I've ever had, but you know, this shop is irresistible or, you know, I want to know, I, I, they have a community bulletin board in there. I want to look at it or somebody's playing a guitar in there. I want to listen to that. So that's kind of, I just go for that. It's the humanity. Do you have any local places in some of the towns that you are, you know, regularly in for work um, or in Minnesota that have become like new favorite spots for you recently? Oh God. I mean, not a new favorite. Well, probably that too, but I or would say one that you've been going to for years. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Um, in Brainerd, Minnesota, which is my hometown, um, there is a pizza place in the mall and everything has come and gone from the mall to the point that it's just sort of like a ghost town with like a bunch of, you know, recliners in the middle. You can put a credit card in and get like a massage or something while you're sitting in them. <laughs> 
but the um but Rafferty's Pizza is a pizza place that all of the childhood delight that I can remember clearly is based around Rafferty's whether it was like pe- or uh, birthday parties or um just whatever just Friday nights with my family but um and it's still the same and it's still delicious and it's so good that like when I go back there I buy a large pizza on my last day in town and wrap it up in foil, put it in the freezer and bring it home with me because I, so, and you know, we go in there and we know the people like one of the managers, like my sisters and I, you know, have known for a long time and, um, visit with about just catching up on what's going on around town. And, um, yeah, so that's a long time one, but you know, like in, like in Ennis, Montana, where, um, I work often as a traveling nurse, um, I mean, I love their public library. I love, there's a coffee shop that I like a little drive through coffee kiosk that I frequent. Um, and, you know, I guess most of the places where I go as like a traveling nurse, it tends to be like places where I can get food because that usually is, you know, the mission I work and then I go eat somewhere. So yeah, I definitely do. I have uh, been to Rafferty's Pizza myself because <laughs> we've done a few Strongtown staff retreats there. People maybe know that Chuck Marone, president of Strongtowns, lives up there. So occasionally he uh, draws us all to come up there. And we've, I think we've gotten multiple times on staff retreats because I know it's a favorite spot of his as well. Yeah. I think there's a whole, I'm not on Facebook, but I think there's like a whole, some kind of a Facebook group about people that grew up in Brainerd, they talk about Rafferty. So, I mean, yeah, it's great. So another recurring story that you've been kind of sharing with the Strong Towns audience over the last few months is this journey of uh, being with your father as he's been aging and he lives in Minnesota. So you've been coming there a lot. Um, how, how has that been for you and the decision to, you know, talk about that with our audience? And I know a lot of people in our you know, and our audience have that experience too of of aging themselves or or working with parents or grandparents that are going through that. So I'm sure they really appreciate being able to connect with you on that level too. You know, I guess it originally it just came from you know just having to write about what was most on top, like <laughs> in my mind, and I felt like it was a little risky so soon into my I think it maybe my third neighborhood storyteller column I wrote about my dad and. Because that was that was the thing that was bubbling up to the surface, and it wasn't going to let me get away without saying something. And I found that the feedback from that, I you know, I got from from friends and and family members and other readers, really was that that feeling of like, wow, like again, we're more, we are all more alike than we are different, or we our struggles are so similar and it's easy to feel isolated when you're going through something like that and it's easy to feel like you're doing it wrong or um it's just exceptionally hard you know for me but then you find out that like it's really part of what a lot of people go through on different levels and um and even finding the humor in that like um part of it is that you know my dad has such a great sense of humor and that has been kind of a characteristic of his that I just really resonate with throughout my life and being able to find the levity and balance that somewhat with, you know, the very real situation that 
that we're dealing with. Um, I don't know. I guess it feels it's there's some vulnerability there, and that feels as a writer, you know, it's a little scary sometimes. But then um, it also feels very necessary. Well, I've really appreciated reading everything that you're writing um, over the last several months. So, what's next for you? Um, you know, what are you up to this summer or this the rest of the year? <laughs> Interesting that you would ask. I generally do travel nursing in the summer, but I'm doing something old and new again this summer, which is I'm going back to work on a fire lookout tower down in the Bitterroot National Forest. Uh, in 2002, I happened upon <laughs> a job working as a fire lookout. And I, I really mean that. I mean, it was like I went to a potluck while I was on a road trip in Darby, Montana, and happened to run into a guy that I had worked with, you know, at the Grand Canyon some, you know, five or six years prior. And it was just like, oh, oh, hey, hey, you know, and then he said, what are you doing this summer? And at that point, I didn't really have a plan. And um, he asked me if I wanted to be a fire lookout. Now, at the time, I thought it was like, oh, hmm, okay, well, you know, can I bring my dog? Sure. Okay. You know, I didn't really realize that this is a job that's very coveted and people try, people really try to get these jobs and it was kind of handed to me. And I felt very, very grateful for that. Um, and ended up doing that for six summers. I did that job on a fire lookout up until I went back to nursing school. And, um, anyway, what does that entail? What is being a fire lookout? <laughs> well, you sit up on top of a mountain in um, a little structure, the the one that where I'll be working, it's like twelve by twelve, and um, it has it, it's basically kind of like living on a ship or something, or like on a sailboat. Like every, you have a tiny little kit, everything's kind of in there. A kitchen, you have your bunk, and then in the center of of it all is something called the Osborne Firefinder, and it's like this this instrument that looks like it could be like from a Jules Verne novel or something. It's like this big brass like wheel that you spin and you look through these these crosshairs and, and it has a map on it that you're and you're trying to pinpoint where you're seeing the the smoke come up the in the you know the forest fire smoke. Um so you watch for smoke. You basically and when you see it pop up you use the instrument to to and and maps and some different kind of calculations and figure out approximately where it is and um, how far away it is from where you are. You know, certainly there's aerial detection and there's like infrared mapping and all kinds of stuff, technology that has um, made this like a little, this process a little bit more accurate. Um, but they, we, you know, the Forest Service still really relies upon the people out there in the field who are seeing this smoke pop up. Usually what we do is we watch, you know, we have a, like a lightning storm pass through and usually at night and, uh, you you make notes of where you see the lightning strike and you mark them on this map with like a like a little wax pencil it's it's um and and then the next day you scan the, those areas with binoculars and you just keep waiting and watching and in because you know if the lightning struck there it's a good chance you're going to have a fire um so we do that and we provide um like a radio link for fire crews that are working down in the fields and down on the fires so sometimes there's not a they're down in a hole, basically. They're down in a, a a drainage or a valley or something, and they can, 
you know, they can radio up to us and then we can send a call out to the, the central forest service office for them and so forth. And we keep, we're the eyes in the sky for the firefighters in the field. We can let them know if weather's coming in or just give them relay messages for them and things like that. So, I, I mean, it's a way different kind of neighborhood, but, um, than li- living in a, you know, a town or a city, but, um, there really is a community of people. You know, we have the firefighters, we have other fire lookouts. We have the people that are working like on the road crews and, um, and working in the campgrounds and things like that. So that sounds like a fascinating and, and really important job. Obviously, I think a lot of people have been impacted by forest fires throughout their lives, of course, but especially in the last few years. So um, really, really important work. That's, And it seems like maybe a time for some introspection and like, you know, kind of, I assume you're kind of by yourself for a lot of the time. Is that right? Or are you pretty, are you chatting with other people a lot throughout that time? Um, chatting, uh, not really chatting, but we do, you know, we're on the radio, you know, quite a bit throughout the day, but, um, there's a lot of time for introspection. In fact, you know, that's kind of the main, was the main driver for me, um, to go back to this and the timing that, you know, the stars aligned because it just turned out that somebody on the forest where I used to work needed to take a break this summer and they needed uh, somebody to fill in or somebody to take over basically. And one of my dear friends who remembers that I've always said to him, you know, let me know if there's ever a fire lookout opening, um, gave me a call and I just, I just said, yes. I said, yes. Like I did the first time too. I didn't think about it. I just said yes. And then afterward I thought, Oh God, is this, am I doing the right thing? But I'm sure it is. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot of time alone, especially in the evenings and in the early mornings. Um, it's very quiet. I mean, I'm you know on an eight thousand foot mountain peak, and um, wow, yeah, you bring a lot of books. I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. It's like such a luxurious time to read because, especially like if it's there might be like a rainy day and it's just like it's like you're sitting inside of a cloud. Like you really are all day, and it's almost disorienting, like you'd almost forget like your position on the planet. You're just like floating in a cloud. And then when the, you know, later in the day, everything will clear and you look out and you see these ridge lines and these drainages and mountain peaks that you know, and it's like, oh, I'm still here. Um, But those are the best days for reading. And it's just like so decadent when you can read like a whole book, like in a day or two. And you just like, yeah, you can really be in that book. Very cool. Well, I'm sure we will um, hear a little bit about those adventures um, in your columns later this year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure you will. <laughs> like, like it or not, I'm sure you will. Yeah. So to close us out here, um, what advice would you offer for somebody that's listening that might be interested in starting to you know, tune more into the stories in their own community too and um, you know, following your footsteps in terms of being more connected to their neighborhood and the stories there. Being more tuned in to the story starts with like seeing people and, and noticing people just having that curiosity. Um, I think we're all very, very hesitant to like, people are very private and and understandably so, and, and tend to not want to just, you know, burst forth with their story on like the, on your first meeting, but you know, like places that I frequent, like, 
the place where I walk my dog every day. Um, you know, just reaching out and, and maybe talking to somebody that you see frequently. And, um, I think the more that you know about the people that are living in your neighborhood or your town, the more sense of belonging you end up having, um, or I end up having, um, because I think once you see like how important the things that other people do are, it, it makes you see how you also fit in to the puzzle and it makes life more interesting. Like, um, have a curiosity about your neighbor. I mean, you know, nobody wants you to like, go. nobody wants somebody to knock on their door and just say like, Hey, I'm curious about you. I want you to tell me more about you, <laughs> but you know, time it, maybe time it so that you go check your mail at the same time. And, and, and I don't know, maybe say something or it comment on the daffodils or something, because it just kind of, it kind of thaws the whole, the, everything out a little bit. It just feels a little bit warmer and more, um, accessible once you kind of break that ice. It's tough. It's really tough. Not all of us are extroverted, you know, people that are gregarious and, but I think just it's starting by noticing and noticing what might've changed or, oh, that's, I noticed you planted a, a, a what is that? Is that a cherry tree? Oh no, no, that's this and that. And I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it makes it easier than when then, then the next time, you know, like your, your mail, like their mail ends up in your mailbox and you go next door to, you know, to, get it to the rightful owner. It just, you already have made a little bit of a connection. It's like the lights start coming on in your neighborhood when you, when you have a curiosity about the people living near you. And curiosity, I, I have to just clarify. I don't mean like a nosiness, like, hmm, now whose car was that at your house? I mean, there's that's a whole other, <laughs> that's like a whole other, you know, animal, but um, I don't know, just a genuine interest in the lives going on around you, I think tends to be pretty enriching. Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for coming on the podcast. And um, I will share links to your column, of course, and encourage everybody listening to check out Carla's Neighborhood Storyteller column. It comes out every Tuesday morning. So lots to learn and appreciate about your writing. So thank you, Carla. Thank you, Rachel. All right. Definitely check out her column if you want to hear more from Carla. You might have heard me mention the position that we have open at Strong Towns. It's called a member advocate. Um, this is a full-time remote job with us. We'd love to have you join the team. And if you are listening to this on the publication date, May 19th, you still have a few days to get your application in. They are due by midnight on May 22nd. Um, that's I guess 11.59 p.m. Central on Sunday, May 22nd. So please apply or send this to someone that you think might be interested. You can go to strongtowns.org slash employment to find more information and to apply. Thank you to our Strong Towns members who make things like Carla's Column possible. This is a new column that we piloted this year uh, because we had the funding to do that. We, we pay Carla every week to write and um, we pay you know a lot of the people that write for our site. And that's because of our membership support. So if you want to keep hearing from Carla and a lot of other writers and more guests on this podcast, on our webcasts, in our events, Please support this movement by donating at strongtowns.org slash membership. All right. Thank you all. We will be back with a new episode next week. 
Take care.